Small businesses are the backbone of America, and they help keep the spirit of Texas alive. But did you know as many as 50% will close their doors forever after just five years? Well, we're here to change that. This is The Beef. We know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur today. We're giving small business owners a platform to share their story. You'll hear it all. The highs and the lows. The good and the bad. But most importantly, you'll learn. Welcome to The Beef. The Beef. Oh yeah, I can't help but get pumped up when I hear that intro every single time. Welcome back to another week, another episode, The Beef Podcast. I'm your host as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram. You know already, you need to follow us over there, check out what we're doing because we're pushing out vlog videos of our guests that we're having on. We're going to their places, checking out the things that they're making and how they do that stuff and giving you a behind the scenes look of everything that you need to see here at our studio. So please, Give me a follow. Check us out over there. But right now, I want to introduce a really cool guest. You know, of course, we try to stick to small businesses, just like our intro says. They need our help the most because within five years, most of them are going to wind up going away. But we want to make sure that we change that. But sometimes we like to bring you a really cool guest who's not going anywhere because they've got way too much going on in their life to go anywhere. And that is Travis Rossback with it's Tumalo Group that he's with right now. But you're probably going to know him from Hydro Flash. So Travis, welcome to the show, man. John, thanks for having me. I was kind of hoping the doormat decor ladies would be here also, but I know, right? Yeah. That was one of the coolest episodes that we've ever done, maybe up until this one. But no, they were a, a really good group of girls to have in the studio. And it was a fun episode, man. Anytime that you make me sing on a podcast, I feel like you've accomplished something there. So yeah, I was hoping that would not happen again on this one. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, I definitely don't want to do that on this one. So thank you. That is for sure. Or shall I? That'll be even better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, you know, we always start off with an icebreaker question here on the beef podcast. So I don't want to be a Debbie downer or anything, but I just want to know, like, what is one of the biggest challenges you've ever faced in your life? And it can be professional. It can be personal. What is just something that's challenged you hardcore and how'd you overcome that? I'm curious about CERN and what happened with CERN today and whether that's going to kill us all, open up a portal for <laughs> demons to come through, or if it's just more hogwash that they're pumping out through the media as a false flag event. That's off the top of my head, though. <laughs> Besides CERN, what's the hardest thing I've ever done, accomplished, thought about? Yeah, you can go either way with that. I mean, like for me personally, it would be probably losing my dad. I lost my dad when I was 15 years old. And at the time, man, I just, it was something I took so hard and I felt so down and so bad for myself. And then I realized that people go through this kind of stuff and worse things every single day. And it was just something that kind of clicked inside of me and said, why are you sitting here feeling sorry for yourself when you're so blessed with what you have going on? And I just, I took that as an opportunity instead of a total loss. And I knew that I was going to obviously be kind of at a disadvantage because when you're 15 years old, man, that's when you need your father the most, you know? And I just took that. And instead of letting it be a disability for me, I turned it into an opportunity and just remembered the things that my dad told me. And then now that's why kind of like you, I have a crazy list of qualifications and things that I've done because I've just kind of dabbled in everything that piques my interest and then find what I can monetize and make a better life for myself. And now you can be a 
rad dad also. Like now <laughs> yeah. you can go on to be the the father that you never had. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my brother a few years back, right at the sort of the hydro flask had taken off and we were on a just straight upward trajectory and my brother died and he came in, he wanted to hang out. He wanted to have lunch. I was too busy. I was, you know, I had too much going on. We had orders, I had meetings. I had to be in China the next day. I had all this going on and he's like, Hey bro, bro, I just came in to have lunch with you. And that was the last time I ever saw him, you know, and it came at a time where I just, I did not need to get knocked down a step lower again. Like I just kept getting hit over and over. They just kept kicking me in the teeth. And then my brother died and I had sort of a similar revelation where it's like, you know what? Like, I don't know his trajectory. His path is done now, as far as we know here and I'm still here. I'm still going. I still got to do this for the people that are loving the product. And I'm going to use that to power me to just keep getting through this, you know, this bullshit, this tough, tough hour, long hours and, and sleepless nights. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of becomes a, a motivation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little like fire that just kind of kindles everyone. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm still here. He's not, but I am. I can keep going. Absolutely. Well, man, like I said in the introduction, I mean, I could read this whole long paragraph about you and you've got some really cool qualifications that have almost nothing to do with what you do as a, a full-time job. And I'm the same way. So I'm interested to get into it. And rather than just read this off of my computer here, man, I just want you to tell us where you came from and some of your life experiences, you know, maybe all the way back to the Hydroflask days and how you did that stuff. And then we'll jump into Tumalo Group and what that is and, and what you do there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was born in Salem, Oregon, and I met my dad actually when I was 14 and he was down in the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. Croix and owned dive shops. So I went down and got certified and started spending as much time as I possibly could in, in St. Croix. I ended up Graduating high school in Salem, moved back down to the Virgin Islands, became a boat captain, dive instructor, dive master, then went on to become an airline pilot, charter jet charter pilot, and then moved back home to Oregon and started a fence company, and then moved to a sold it, moved to Oahu, started a sign and screen printing company, sold it right at the 08 crash, like just the kaboom, like right there, like right as the ka. Uh, the kaboom was caught in. I bolted, sold it. And I was like, oh, geez, don't know what I'm going to do now. It's expensive living on the North shore. It's expensive having this surfer dude lifestyle. And that's when Hydroflask came in and it just like came out and it was just like, guess we're doing Hydroflask now. Did Hydroflask and took it like just straight up 600% a quarter growth. It was nuts. Got to the point where I was like, you know what? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, ready to go on for the next adventure and the next challenge. So I exited, sold that, and just traveled around the planet for quite a while doing yoga, paddle boarding, kundalini yoga came in like all of a sudden one day. That was nuts. Crazy. And then I decided I just like, I needed to kind of like stay in one place again. So I moved back home to Oregon and really missed business. So I started the Tumblr group to help others like grow their business basically. Yeah. So Hydroflask, man, that's uh 
I don't know. It's something as a full-time firefighter, a lot of our guys, they have a hydro flask still sitting around today that they use. I think I sent you a picture in an email one night when you confirmed you were going to be on the show. And I was like, I need you to still be working there so you can send me some samples or some, you know, destroyed cups or something that we could still use. But that's a really cool, like coming to fruition, building that from the ground up. So I'm guessing that Obviously, with Tumalo, you're taking your experience from inventing something, building it, sourcing that manufacturing, all of that stuff, and then just kind of trying to make an easy path for other entrepreneurs to do the same. That's right, John. Yeah, I found that there very much is a blueprint for success. And it's kind of convoluted. It's kind of hidden. It's kind of archaic. It's kind of just kind of is what it is. We live in a capitalistic society right now and the capitalists have a playbook. And once you kind of tap in and you figure out that playbook, well, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's obtainable to have that sort of large, well-known brand that they keep putting out, you know, the, like I studied Coca-Cola and, you know, Hoover vacuum, like anything that Warren Buffett would invest in, Like those were the kind of companies that I really, really focused on. Like, how did they do? What did they do? And why did they do? And so I kind of, I I took all of that, put it into Hydro Flask, and then it worked really well. And I've been studying business since I was 12. So that's what, 31 years, 31 years I've been studying business. And I just, I cannot get enough. I just love studying business because it's kind of like a math and a science and an art. And I'm not really good at any of those, but I, I do like to put that all together for business. Yeah. Jack of all trades. And I say master of some, you know, I do some really well, but I mean, I think you're right. Exactly. It's, it's crazy how much of business truly is an art. And it's like what works in one way, you know, we see it here because I think your group is similar to what we do at Beefy Marketing, but obviously a little bit different focus. And we see the same thing where it's like one step-by-step process of marketing is not going to work for every company that walks through our doors. And we have to cherry pick the things that are going to work best for each different business. And it's, it's an artwork because you put that all together and we tell clients all the time, Hey, we may think that this is going to be the best thing for you. And then we see nothing there and we're going to cancel that and then move on to a different strategy from that point. So I think you're right. You know, one thing I was interested in, you mentioned Hawaii and just going back to kind of a personal story type thing It said that you are a, or were a realtor in Hawaii. I can't imagine with the housing market, what's going on with the housing market in Hawaii right now? Well, okay. So that is correct. So let me clarify that. I got my realtor license in Hawaii because I became a business broker. I didn't actually sell houses. Oh, nice. In order to become a business broker, they told me I needed to get my real estate license because it, I guess it has to do with like transactions over $10,000 or there's some F not FCC, but I don't know. There's some some law basically. So I got my, uh, I was in Oahu, got my contract or my real estate license. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy how much just going back to that, that artwork of business. It's crazy how you said I've been studying since I was 12. We have to know so many things and experience so many things in order to give a really good business coaching experience to our clients. And so that's why I think it's just so important to see like how many things you were into and the way that you kind of learn, you know, all of that stuff to put it together in order to make a successful business. Because if you're going to be a coach, you've got to be experienced. 
And if you're going to be experienced, then you have to have been that inventor and that founder and gone through sourcing someone to create that product and gone through marketing your product and, and all of those things that you have to learn. So it's just, it's a great little background that you have there. So with your group, who is that target client that you're looking for? Is it just inventors and founders or anyone who's starting up a company? Well, it's a hodgepodge of all of the above, quite honestly. Somebody who's funded or someone who is dang near close to being funded, I find is is beneficial for everybody because it's not cheap to start a business. I mean, to do the marketing and the sales and reps and the branding and everything else, the making molds and creating a product and the minimum order quantities, it's not cheap. I often say it's about a hundred grand to kind of get up and get going for making a product. You know, if you have something that you're not creating from scratch, it, it can be a lot less, but to create a product and to get it out there, yeah, I say about a hundred grand. Yeah. Okay. And with your business coaching and stuff like that, where we could sit down one-on-one and kind of discuss where the company is at and where we want to go or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, startups are good. I love helping startups. I really do. But I do find that my sweet spot is sort of that 10 to 20 million range where they're up and running and even lower, even five to 10, five to 20 range. They're up and running. They know what they know. They know what's working. They know what's not working, but they're looking to maybe go over the top to the next level. They've maybe plateaued or they're just not quite sure if they want to go left or right. And what do you think? I also have started working with like fortune, whatever number companies that sort of want to come back down to like concrete grassroots. And and I enjoy that. I'm not opposed to it, but I won't do anything that I'm not comfortable with. And I, and if I don't like the company and I don't like the brand and I don't like the suits, we're not going to be a good fit. I'm all about fit. You know, like if I don't like somebody and they don't like me, we're not going to work well together. And there's just no point in even trying, but if we get along, dude, it's off the races. Yeah. No, I think we talked about that before the show. It's like, you know, we kind of have the same philosophy here at, at beefy marketing. It's, if we're not a good fit for you, if we're not getting along, if we're not having fun in what we're doing, then why would you want to do business with us? Right. Exactly. There's enough clients. There's enough marketing companies. There's enough Travis's out there that you don't have to sacrifice your integrity for anybody. Yeah. Or anything. Well, and it's important too, you know, just kind of talking to those businesses that may be a newer business. It's important to identify your target market and know exactly who you're going for as well. Because, you know, like you being so free to throw those numbers out there and say, Hey, you know, if you're not able to come up with a certain amount of monthly spend, or you don't have a hundred grand up front that you can spend right now, then I'm not your guy. You need somebody that's, that's there for you in the place that you're in. And then once you get up to this league, now it's time to transition. Exactly. And there's a lot of people who they're like, Oh shoot, I didn't know it was a hundred grand. I'm like, okay, well, let's see. What do you have? Do you have your drawings? Do you have your STP files? Do you have your engineering team kind of set up? And they're like, nope. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, you know, here's an engineer, here's a designer. Go start here with them. And that's going to be 15 grand or so, or maybe less, or maybe more. Go start there, get the files, see how you feel after that. And a lot of times, you know, it's kind of a momentum thing. Once you kind of start, it kind of starts to snowball. So I always say act boldly and unseen forces will come to your aid. hundred grand will come. I mean, it will show up. If you're doing the right thing and you're on the right trajectory, you're doing it for the right reasons, the right causes, 
the money will be there. But I do kind of put that up as a bit of a barrier to entry. Right, for sure. So when you were when you were creating Hydroflask, did you come up with funding through like a public source, investors, or was it something you were blessed enough to be able to do yourself? No, I mean, we started with 11 grand. <laughs> and that's kind of another reason why I'm like, aim high because, you know, if we come out at 50 grand, you're stoked. But if we come out at 99 grand, you're not pissed. When Hydroflask came, like we had to sell most of what we had. We, we used the rest of our savings from selling the, the sign company to get me over to China to start finding factories and start doing the research. That took up a lot of money. I mean, it wasn't cheap. Even though China is you know, less expensive, especially back in the, in the old days, it was a lot. And then as soon as it was a green light, we were ready to roll we had to come up with 3000 bottle MOQ minimum order quantity. And, you know, the bottles then and the bottles now cost the same thing. They're $5 and 50 cents. So we had to come up with that money. We had to come up with the molds. Each of the molds was about 8,000. And so what we ended up doing was selling everything we owned and moved in with my mom into her spare bedroom, my girlfriend at the time and I, and that's how we started. And then I think she bolted. She headed back to Hawaii. And as things kept going up and up and up, she kind of come back and forth. So I kind of get foggy when I talk about her, but we basically ended up just like, we need money. I mean, we cannot keep running at this pace. I picked up a couple sales reps and they were killing it. And which is great. But at the same time, like now we're up to 40,000 bottles a month at $5 and 50 cents. Oh, great. And that's every single month. It's like, ah, so luckily we had a bit of a following and we had some fans and some super fans and they came in and they started helping us and working with us. And then one of them one day said, Hey, I know a guy. Sure enough, the guy shows up. He's like, what do you need? I'm like, I need 88,000 bottles. <laughs> He's like, how much is that? A million bucks. He's like, okay. And he wrote a check, gave it to me and it cleared. I was like, <laughs> miracle. Like, that's why I say like act boldly and unseen forces will come to your aid. I was ready to fire everybody on Friday. This was on a Wednesday. I was ready to fire everybody because I had no more money. I cannot afford this anymore. We got to close down. And I was, I was sad. I was so sad. It was so hard. The hardest letter I've ever written, getting ready to go in there on Friday afternoon and fire everybody. Friday morning, homeboy shows up and writes a check for a million bucks. (laughs) We dodged the guillotine by like two hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always said like, you can call it whatever you want, you know, whether it's faith-based, whether it's fate, whether it's divine intervention, like whatever you want to attribute it to, that's, that's your prerogative, but there is always something that's going to come through somehow. And if it doesn't, you know, if you had to send that letter, then maybe that's just where it needed to go at that time. And whether it was a permanent solution to it and Hydroflask was going to be no more, or you were going to come back stronger in a month. I firmly believe that everything happens for a reason. I could not agree more. It's pretty crazy, man. So Tumalo Group, is that, am I under the correct understanding then? That is kind of what y'all do is take it to where I don't have to fly to China. I don't have to try and find all of these places. I can just pay you for the shortcut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We find really good partners to work with. Uh, I have a really extensive Rolodex, which I just love that term, especially (laughs) the fact that a lot of the younger generation don't exactly know what it means. What's a Rolodex? I have often said that I want an old school Rolodex because I have the same thing, man. And Andrew, the CEO will be like, Hey, give me the phone number to so-and-so. And I'm like, 
I got to pull up my phone, figure out where I saved them. Or if I didn't save it, where's the last conversation we had that was months ago? Yeah, I'm with you on that. And it would be cool to just like open up the Rolodex, take a picture and text him. Yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> so I've got this like, it's it's a theoretical. I, I, I'm not cool enough to actually own a Rolodex, although I really do want one, maybe for Christmas it's coming. And so, yeah, like I work with really amazing factories here in the States domestically, which is, I can't even begin to talk about how excited I am about domestic manufacturing, but then also in China too. I've got a lot of partners I've worked with for over a decade now, and they've become real good friends, almost family. And I know that they're legit. I know that their employees are happy and well-fed and well-paid. And I know that they're going to crank out really good products with really good prices. And then I also have really good engineers that kind of come before that. And we can design industrial designers, industrial engineers who can come in and help, you know, kind of get the ball rolling with the direction that we want. I work with attorneys, patent attorneys, always looking for great marketing companies like you guys. And and just kind of a referral thing where it's like, hey, call John the marketer. Like you don't need to hire in-house people. You just need to talk to John. And that's, I think that's kind of one of the most beautiful things of the modern day is that we don't need parking spots. We don't need a high rise. We need, you know, John in Texas and Travis in Oregon, and then, you know, Kim in New York and we're on our way. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, that is one of the ways that we kind of spin it here and justify ourselves to clients is exactly that. You know, if you take a a marketing executive and you're paying them $100,000 a year plus, and then you're also paying benefits and retirement and an office space and all of that stuff. And then you say, well, he's not going to do it all alone or she's not going to do it all alone. They're going to need a team that's around them. And, you know, so at the minimum, you're spending 60 to 100 grand a year on one marketing person. But then if you want a whole marketing team, it's like you could pay us 60, 65 a year and we'll give you the entire thing that we do. You know, like we'll we'll have you such a nice little marketing retainer that you won't know what to do with yourself because that's just it's cheaper to have that agency that focuses on a few different people than it is to to do all that stuff in house. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that for sure. Yeah. And that was one of probably, you know, people ask like, what was your biggest struggle with Hydroflask? I would say the personnel, you know, like in the day where we had no real money, we were on Craigslist looking for employees and we were paying them a minimum wage and they'd come in. They didn't know anything about marketing. Well, yeah, you're now doing marketing. I don't know what that means. Just put stuff out on Facebook or I don't know, just do something, you know, just to relieve some slack. And then as we grew, we started making more money. We were able to hire more and more people, but again, in-house and parking spots and paternity leave and 401ks and everything else. It's just a lot. So nowadays, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like instead of spending 80 to 100,000 per person to spend 60 to 80 with a company like you guys, it makes so much more sense. It's much more nimble also because you guys can ramp up or the, the client can ramp up and ramp down working with companies such as yours and not have to feel that you know, the parkings, I I can always go back to this parking spot thing. I don't know why. No, it makes a lot of sense, especially for us in a city that, you know, we don't have a whole lot of parking down here. So (laughs) we relate to that pretty well. 
Where are you guys again? Are you in what part? It's we're headquartered in Tomball, Texas. So we're northwest of Houston. Tomball? It's a small municipality, you know, in comparison, but we've got a, a really robust old town Tomball and we have a lot of events that happen and stuff like that. And you just find out in a small town, you start running out of real estate real quick and property real quick. So yeah, parking becomes an issue every now and then we start shuttling people in for our events. We've got, I think in Texas, the largest German festival in Texas, oh, I believe wow. I'm not speaking out of turn when I say that. So, cause we're a oh, sister okay. city here to Telgti, Germany. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, next time I'm in Texas, I'm going to swing by. I want to see your new table too. Oh yeah. This thing is beautiful, man. I love it. I don't know if you can see it in my shot or not, but not right now I don't, but yeah. I know it's there. Yeah. It's an amazing piece of furniture. That's for sure. And you know, same thing, man. We, we just know people. So we knew somebody that could make it and we had it custom built for this studio. And yeah, it's, it's a great time down here, man. You definitely have to come visit and we have so much we could talk about. So I'm also, I mean, I think we can just go personal at this point. We've kind of talked about the group a while, but I'm also a scuba diver. So that is something I absolutely love. So we need to go on a scuba trip for sure. But man, tell me about this whole commercial airline pilot and marine boat captain and all that kind of stuff. Like, how did you get into that and why? Yeah. Well, so the first, you know, like I I started watching Jacques Cousteau when I was really, really, really young. And I always like dreamt of being under the water in this tropical, warm Palm Beach area. And I would think about it a lot because we lived in, I lived in Salem where it rains and it's really cloudy and we don't see the sun for 180 days in a row. And so I just always dreamt of it. And then one day out of nowhere, this man shows up at the door, turns out to be my grandpa. He's like, Hey, you want to go visit your dad? Like, yeah, sure. So we get on the phone and he's like, yeah, I just got in from swimming with sharks. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, I own a dive shop and I was swimming with sharks. You want to come visit? I'm like, Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm standing there in St. Croix at 14, just going, whoa, this is nuts. And got certified and just loved it. And so when I graduated, became, well, at 18, a dive master. And then I think maybe 18 and a half, 19, I was a, a dive instructor and really like, you know, if I would go do anything else, I would probably be a dive instructor. I love teaching scuba diving and, you know, it, yeah, I could go on for days about that. And then I found that, you know, it, like day after day, year after year, you know, I got a little soggy, <laughs> a little waterlogged. And so I got my boat captain's license and then I started running like ocean rafting, St. Thomas down to the British Virgin Islands. I was on a yacht for a while, a lot of Paris selling boats and just day charter trips throughout the Caribbean. And then one day I was, I was on a yacht and I didn't like the captain. I was the first mate and they offered me the captain's job. I was like, I don't want to hang out with him for another six months of training. I quit. I'm walking down the gangplank and I'm like, dang, dude, I just passed up big money. What am I going to do now? The seaplane flew over. I'm like, I'm a pilot. And so I moved back home to Salem and I just started to get, you know, scrape, scrimp and get by and started flying airplanes April of 2001. And then September 11 happened. That really set things back globally for a lot of reasons. And then in 2002, we started flying again. And I think 2002, 2003, I became a commercial airline pilot flying those same seaplanes. Man, that's a 
that's a killer story. I know for sure. I like to go everywhere on this show. You know, I just kind of jump around and let's talk about some business stuff and some personal yeah. stuff. And I don't know. I just feel like it flows better that way. But we're going to have to get you to visit Texas. We're going to have to go like hit up some Texas spots that you can go diving and yeah. just maybe you know, reveal some more about the group and all that stuff on some stories or reels or something like that and spend some time out there with you. So I believe you said you are not big on social media. No, I do LinkedIn, but I I just, I really don't care what people ate for breakfast. And I don't really (laughs) feel like sharing my life story, you know, on a very micro personal level. One time I posted and I realized that it it geo tagged me or something, and like people could see where I was, oh. and I started having people come out of the wood work, like woods, literally. Yep. And I was like, nope, no more. I'm off. Yeah. All right. But where can we follow the company? Is it just the website? How do we kind of support you in that? And then, of course, we know who your target customer is now. How do they get in touch with you? I guess give us like the elevator pitch, if you would. Okay. Yeah. You know, the website's not great. I need a good marketing team to help me with that. Man, I'll send you some info. (laughs) Yeah, please do. (laughs) Can I pay you in Shiner Bach also? I love Shiner Bach. (laughs) I'm Travis Rossback, R-O-S-B-A-C-H on LinkedIn or Travis at tumalogroup.com, T-U-M-A-L-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Heck yeah, man. Well, Travis, unless you got anything else that you wanted to throw out there, honestly, I just, I want to thank you for coming on. I think it was a really cool conversation. I geeked out over some of it and may or may not be a Hydro Flask fan, you know, so it was awesome to get you on here and just can't thank you enough for being a part of the Beef Podcast today. Yeah, John, it was my pleasure, man. It was great meeting you. And I'm, I am serious when I say I'd love to come down to Texas, go dive and drink Shiner Bach, check out your tables and yeah. your table. And, Listeners and will just have to tune in, man. Too. We'll have some cool stuff on that Instagram I keep talking about every episode and, and get you down here for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's it, man. Another episode of the Beef Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we had a huge following on YouTube for our doormat decor girls. I can't imagine why y'all were tuning into that one so hard, but it was a really good episode. So I'm going to leave it at that. That's why. Whether it's a small company or a large company like what Travis has going on here, we just can't thank you enough for supporting them every single week by listening to another episode of the Beef. So please make sure you go out there, check out the Tumalo group. I'm going to say it right. And check out Hydra Flask and see kind of what he did and see if he's a good fit for what you're trying to do in your company. Until then, stay beefy, my friends. We'll see you next Thursday. You've been listening to The Beef. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information that you can use. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. Would you like your business featured on the beef? Know a business that should be featured? Visit beefymarketing.com slash the beef. Remember, branding is about a connection with you and your people. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Beef.